Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for joining us over the internet. We're still um, we're still holding our quarantine services uh, due to the community um, having a significant impact on the, from COVID, as well as uh, not only our community but the community abroad. Um, we plan on looking at this week by week and and just judging uh, how we're going to perform uh, services. Uh, we pretty much make the decision by Wednesday, Thursday, to determine whether or not uh, we're gonna we're gonna hold a service or whether or not we're going to have it an online uh, teaching recording and then post it. Uh, we decided again this week to. Uh, Posted. We'd like you to keep uh, Rabbi Stephen and, and uh, Rabbi Sean Shelley in your prayers. They come down with COVID as well, as, as well as their two two daughters, Hila, Yana. Keep them in your prayers. Um, everybody seems to be uh, dealing with this virus. In a, in a different manner, uh, each person that gets it, it's very strange how this works, um, but we're doing our best and we wanna, out of abundance of caution, we wanna be prepared to uh, make sure that everyone is safe, especially the elderly in our community uh, from uh, the actual virus. Um, but today's parasha is Vayirav, it's, it's a, it's a it's a parasha that I think is fitting for the time. Vayira um, means that he appeared. The, the children of Israel were moaning and, and, and praying out to God, crying out to God. And he had heard their voice. And he came to Moses and he said, I heard the voice and the cries of the people who've, who've been under hard labor and uh, I'm going to free them. And so this parasha is really about faith. It's about belief. It's about believing. Uh, and in your belief, you, you ultimately find menucha, you find rest. In your, in your belief, you find um, hope that you have to hold on to. I, I think about a story uh, in the Brit Kharasha where uh, the children of Israel, well, not the children of Israel, the, the disciples, the Talmudim, were on a ship, a boat with Yeshua, and the boat was raging and because of a storm that was around them. And Yeshua uh, was sleeping in the boat, and he had a, he had a sense of um, calm and rest that others did not have. Uh, one, because he is the Melech Mashiach, uh, you know, obviously he would have that rest. Um, but two, because I think that he was giving an example to the Talmudim. And I think it's important for us to understand and know that we're all in the same boat. We're all in this boat, the same one. Nobody gets out of it, uh, you, have to, you have to weather it. Uh, the storms around us in life, they rage. And sometimes some people have uh, a faith that they don't see the storm that actually is raging, but the storm is there. 
the storm is not uh, far off. And it's just a matter of time until that storm creeps upon them. But here we are in this island in time where on the Shabbat, where we all who believe, all of us, we rest in the hands of our Creator and we allow Him to continue to mold us and shape us into the men and the women that He's crafted us to become. Every single day is a day of molding and shaping. Every day, every experience, every time, uh, every, every tick of the, of the second hand on the clock is a time to be molded by God. Sometimes we allow time to just pass us by and we ignore the molding and the shaping that God is doing, but God is performing uh, uh, action in our lives at all times. And sometimes we fail to see the actions that he's performing, we fail to see his hands at work in our lives, but he is moving and he's moving mightily. And all of it is to help us to become uh, servants to him on this earth, to make an abode for him on this earth, and to live so that we can be an example and an insight to those around about us that are lost. Um, it is God's goal, it is God's intention, it is God's desire to allow everyone to have the opportunity to come into the grace and the mercy and the peace of his kingdom. Uh, and in the future, to see Olam Haba and God willing to see him come riding on the clouds. In Genesis Breshit, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, it says that thus heavens, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all of the hosts of them, and on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. You see, when man was breathed and put on this earth, all things were completed by God. And after his formation, man was made to enjoy the kingdom, living on the fruits of God's labor and not on his own. That's the blessing that God intended for us, to live on the fruits of God's labor, that God performed the work for us, and that we would, we would enjoy his fruit and enjoy the labor that he had performed for us. Um, so this means prior to the fall, Adam and Eve were, were able to experience the rest of God through living in the spirit and not realizing their sin and flesh. And arguably the, 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 the fall of man, uh, depending on who you, who you read and what commentaries you read and listen to, uh, the fall of man happened hours after uh, creation, uh, happened days after creation. Uh, you know, so you know, it wasn't as if uh, they had a significant period of time living in this beautiful kingdom. It was just a, it was just, you know, a small, short period of time before, before man had made the decision to uh, fail and fall. But though they were made flesh, they walked in the likeness of God meaning that they were truly pure and holy creations. And it's evident through Scripture that Adam and Eve walked in the Spirit of God and that they, they are the only two persons that have ever walked the earth that truly lived for a, bl a blink, for a moment, 
and dwelled in the kingdom of heaven while on this earth. They were made having all things given to them, having all secrets known to them, living without pain, without the understanding of evil and deceit. They were truly pure creations that God himself marveled at and enjoyed. And if you can imagine the birth of a child that, that comes out and, and they are so innocent, completely uh, innocent and, and far from the evils that exist around us, far from the wickedness that uh, that, that is brooding over all of us as we come into this earth, incubated from sin. This is how Adam and Eve as adults were formed. God himself marveled and enjoyed the fact that his creation was pure, holy, and righteous. And as God marveled at his work, the enemy was devising a plan to pervert that holy and righteous creation of God, causing God's own creation to be forced from his presence. The enemy immediately began to devise a plan to destroy what God has created, to destroy this sense of, of, of accomplishment and the marvel that God had in and of himself. The enemy didn't want it, and so the enemy... Did his, did his best to come up with a plan to destroy what God had created. Forced outside of the celestial walls of the Garden of, of Eden, tended by God's voice, pruned by the breath of God, man was tainted. Man was tainted by the unexpected, subtle power of an enemy that is working greater today than ever before. As we move closer and closer to the coming of the Mashiach, the world will become increasingly wicked. That's a fact, that's scripture. The world will, will become, man will become lovers of themselves, not lovers of God. Man will be seeking things of this world. They will be chasing after things that are not, that are not holy. Um, they'll be chasing the things of this world, not the things of God. And so man will be tainted by this subtle voice that the enemy whispers into his ear. An enemy that throughout the generations of fallen man has gained momentum and power through misguided and mis misguiding and misdirecting all the people on the face of this earth from the true rest of of the Lord. The enemy wants to tell us something. The enemy wants to whisper in our ears that there is no hope, that you have no hope. The enemy wants us to believe that God is not there. The enemy wants to shake the foundations of our faith and make us believe that what God has promised us is not in fact a promise, but a falsehood. The hardest thing in life, I would argue, is that is, is to have faith in, in anything. Because faith obviously means that you're trusting that something will happen. You're trusting that something will happen according to a word that was said. Let's take it for example, having faith in a person. There's certain people in this life that you can have faith in. Certain people that you can trust, that you can believe. And the only reason that you have faith or trust or believe those people 
is because they've said that they were going to do something and then in turn it resulted that they did exactly what they said. So the more you see a person and the more you, you interact with people that say they're going to do something that actually do it, the more faith you have in that person. You trust that person. You believe what they say. You say, well, you know, I know for a fact that this person isn't lying because this is how, who they are and they've, and they've proven themselves over time. So in essence, the faith that you have in them going forward has been established by your sight. You've seen, and as a result of seeing, you believe. And that's a mantra that's been used throughout, throughout time, seeing is believing. So as a result of the person that you interact with that you think is going, that you have faith and trust in, you say to yourself, I know I can trust that person because I know what they've done in the past. And as a result of their past, uh, I, I put my faith in them. Having faith in God might be a little different than that. Having faith in God means that you don't see it, but you believe it. And that's the hardest that's the hardest attribute to hold on to in your life is to have faith and not see. And the scriptures tell us, blessed are those who, who, have see, who, who, who believe and have not seen, right? Believing and not seeing is a very difficult thing. And Satan knows that, that it's very hard for us. He knows that there's an inadequacy in us that um, requires that we, we don't trust people, we don't trust uh, situations or circumstances. We don't trust, um, you know, uh, the things that go around us. We have to see it before we believe it. We have to see the outcome of something before we can believe in what that outcome will have will do in the future. God wants us to believe in Him without seeing. God wants us to believe and have hope and have have hope in the promises that he establishes. And the beautiful thing is that as God moves in our lives, the scriptures, we can take the scriptures, we can hold on to them, and we will start to see as God molds us and shapes us throughout time, as every tick of that second hand comes around the clock, and he's molding us and shaping us, and he's putting us, thrusting us into experiences that require us to have faith. What will happen is, is that God, God will prove himself to us one, through prophecy within the scripture, but at the same time, through our experiences. And he'll show us that you can't have faith in the promise that I've made to you. I'll give you an example. Most every large event, major event in my life, God has shown me something in a vision, in a dream, uh, in the scriptures prior to that major event and given me hope to hold on to, to grasp on to. And when we were going through this experience as a family with my parents and my mom called each one of us to say goodbye because the doctors did not give her a good prognosis and made her believe that she was to die. She called us and each one of us said goodbye to us and told us you know, that she was her, her, her most special blessing in this life was to be our mother. Um, 
That was probably one of the most difficult situations, that was the most difficult situation that I've ever experienced, that my sisters, I'm sure, has ever experienced. And none of us, to be frank, were, were ready for that. Uh, we weren't even close to being, believing that that was going to be a, a situation. Um, in our lives at that time. So I was in a position where I refused to believe it and I refused to accept it. And so I, I, I called Satan's bluff. And I told my sisters and I told my mom and uh, my dad, I said, I'm not, you know, this is unacceptable. You're coming home. And I shared some, some hope that I had inside of me, and I shared some strength that I felt like was important to share with each one, and I, and I said, this is not unto death. You are going to live. But I won't tell you that in my own prayer time that I wasn't feeling struggles or disbelief, because I was. And I cried out to God, and I said to God, Lord, you've always shown me in every circumstance, in every hard major circumstance and situation in my life, you've always given me hope to hold on to through a vision, through a dream, through something. You've always spoke to me that way, but I'm hearing nothing right now. I need to hear hope. I need you to give me hope. I need you to give me something that helps me believe and trust. And I was praying, and as I was praying, I said, Lord, you even feed the sparrows of the, of the field. You feed the sparrows, Lord. You feed them, and, and, you, and you care for things that, that are, are seemingly meaningless, but how, how much more meaningful is a life? A person that is dead cannot serve you. A person that is gone is not able to serve, is not able to, to bring you glory and honor. It is, it is the most beautiful thing to be able to live and to serve you. Bring life to my mother. And so as I was praying, I opened my eyes, I'm outside, and the trees in front of me were filled with blue jays. And I've never seen it like that. And I thought, how weird. And I thought, maybe the Blue Jay, maybe God's telling me something. Maybe God wants to tell me something through these Blue Jays. So I immediately looked up the meaning of Blue Jays in the faith. And from a, from a belief perspective, what, what people say is that and, and you can think what you want, but it means to look toward the future, to plan for a future. Don't have despair. And I closed my eyes and I praised God and I thanked him for showing me all these blue jays because for me, that was a sense, that was a sign of hope. And then I opened my eyes and the Blue Jays are gone. And you can believe it or you cannot believe it. 
but the ground in front of me was covered with hundreds of sparrows eating in my front yard. Hundreds of sparrows. Not a few hopping around. I'm talking, they were shoulder to shoulder, knocking each other out of the way to eat. That's never happened. I've never seen that happen in my yard. God's showing me, look, I'm even feeding all these sparrows. He gave me something to look at and to see because I asked. Because I needed it. I needed to hope and I needed to see and I needed to believe. And I asked him and I said, I need to see. Even, and before I see these sparrows eating in my yard, I pray to him, Lord, even feed the sparrows. And here he's feeding hundreds of sparrows in my front yard nonetheless. But we're, we're, faced with, we're faced with things that, that sometimes it's difficult to understand what God is doing and how he is moving. We don't know why we would be, we, you know, we would be subject to the things of the world. We're a part of the world and we're in the world. But God wants us to have hope, to know that what his will is, is true, it's just, it's holy, and it's good. And Satan will try to stumble our faith from that foundation that we, have, that we hold on Yeshua. He will try to knock it down. He will try to, to, to topple it. And we have to hold strong to the faith which God has put inside of us. We have to put, hold strong and hold fast to the faith and the belief that God has given us. And if we start to lose faith and belief... Then we're going to start being discouraged. And as a result of that discouragement, Satan can destroy us. And we begin to break down and we'll have an inability to know how to pray. We'll have an inability to know how to fight the enemy that's in front of us. Because the enemy is breaking down our minds. We have to stay strong in our minds so that our hearts and our souls can complete, to, to, can complete the work that God is doing. We have to stand fast in the truth which God has put in front of us. And when the people of God rest and we stand on that truth and we rest in the faith that God has given us, even though we have not seen, we believe in the work of God. We believe in what God is about to do. We believe in his truth. We believe in his, 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 uh, a future. We believe that God is, is performing in us a great thing and that we are together as a community going to serve and he's got for us a, 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 an opportunity. We believe in that and we rest and we have peace inside of ourselves and we have peace inside of our minds. That peace and that rest that comes inside of us as a result of our belief and our faith in God acts as a clanging symbol to Hasatan. When we're at peace and when we're at rest, Hasatan is, is in absolute disarray. He's, he starts to send out all of his troops. He starts to send out all of his arrows, his fiery darts, to attack us because he doesn't want us to be at rest. He wants us to be anxious. And God says to be anxious for nothing. He wants us to expect. To, to not experience, Satan wants us to not experience the peace and rest of God. He doesn't want us to be in that garden of Eden. He doesn't want us to be touched by the hand of God and, and feeding from God himself. From the labor that God performed, not the labor that we performed. 
When you walk according to the word of God, when you walk according to the scriptures, when you're walking in the presence of the Most High God, you are actually being fed and directed and guided by his hand. And, say, and, and that is the same as living in the Garden of Eden. It's the same as eating from the fruit of the tree, which, 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 of the trees that God put inside of that garden for us to feast upon. And Satan does not want us to live in that garden. Satan does not want us to live in that rest. He does not want us to be cared for by God. And so when we find rest in our spirit, when we find rest in our minds, when we find when, when we're anxious for nothing, we act as a clanging symbol to Hasatan himself. When we're at rest, Hasatan prepares for war. Our peace will be in turmoil. When we're at rest, he's preparing for war. When we're at peace, he's at war. When we're at war, Hasatan is at peace. What he set out to accomplish has been done. So he can sit what he believes on his throne and enjoy watching the destruction of the people of God, our turmoil, our righteousness becomes defeated. Our holiness is his isolation. When we are holy, we isolate Hasatan. When we seek the peace of God, the rest of God. We walk in His peace and His rest, and nothing can fail us. It's, it's, it's as if, like uh, uh, Stephen, Stephen uh, taking and being uh, uh, stoned to death, completely at peace, knowing that he is going to be with the Father. The stoning was for nothing because he was at complete peace. The attack of the enemy to the flesh meant nothing because his soul, his spirit, was at complete peace. This means nothing to me, what you do to my flesh. What you do to my body means nothing because I'm at peace knowing that God is in control. That God is moving and working miracles. And even if that miracle means that I'm with him, I am in a miracle. We set him into a dry desert place when we rest in the oasis of our God. Thus the enemy works tirelessly to attempt to drive us to the edge of our rest. To push us out of the center of our rest to the edge, to the boundaries and force us out of living in the spirit and awakening to our flesh. When you move out of the spirit, you wake up in your flesh and then you have fear. When you're not walking in the Spirit, you're walking in fear. That's a fact. Those who walk in the Spirit do not walk in fear. The Word of God says He's not giving me a spirit of fear, but of, of sound mind. Sound mind. 
of, 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 of boldness to know that he, that he is in control. But Satan's job is to put us into a state of fear, to put us into a state of anxiousness. This is the war of the world, the battle of flesh and spirit. It's an age-old battle that has conquered many, many mighty men, many nations. It's caused many in the kingdom of God to fall from the hands of our Creator. This battle of flesh and spirit is the sole contributor to our unbelief. And the many unrealized miracles that hover in the spiritual awaiting the activation of our belief. The miracles activate our belief. Understand that. Seeing, and, seeing miracles activates your belief in God. Because it proves to you what he has done, what he will do, what he's done in the past, what he will do in the future. And if he acts in the present, you can't help but believe in what he's doing. So if we battle this flesh and spirit, if you're not seeing the miracles of God in every instance of your life, as the second hand ticks around that clock, if you're not recognizing the miracles God is performing, you will walk in unbelief, but you have to walk in belief. Last week, we... Let me say this. We journey through the scripture. And as we journey through the scripture, the words of Yeshua that teach us the key to realized miracles is belief. If we know that we have to have belief, then we have the understanding into the weapons and tactics of the enemy. His war strategy has not changed for 6,000 years. Manufacturing unbelief has been the single most effective weapon of human, on humankind that Satan has realized in his arsenal. He has a factory that manufactures unbelief. But the key to destroying that which he is building is belief. And so today, my hope is that we can expose the tactics of Hasatan, bring to light the wisdom of God's voice in regard to how we must guard ourselves, and identify the protection needed to sustain us in the spiritual rest of the garden oasis of God. Find the rest that God intended for us in the Garden of Eden. No, we're not living in the Garden of Eden. No, we're not living in a state where actually we are eating the physical fruit that God has labored to, to make for us. But we can live in the Garden of Eden in the spiritual and have belief in the spirit so that it activates the flesh. And we can better walk in the flesh in the spirit. You see, what Adam and Eve had prior to the fall is exactly what we anticipate for our physical nature through the second coming of Mashiach ben David. We anticipate that when Yeshua comes again, when he returns, when he comes back for his bride, we anticipate that we will, in fact, in the physical, live in that, that, that garden 
that God has built for us. But even though we await his coming, when we live or walk in the spirit, we are enabled to rest in, his, in the kingdom of heaven prior to its coming again in the physical. And one day, we too, like Adam and Eve once was, will be made incorruptible, eating from the tree of life daily, finding sustenance from the gardens tended by the voice of the Most High. But until his return, we're forced to battle this war that attacks our belief, causing many in the kingdom to fall from the truth and understanding the beginning of all things. Matthew chapter 8, verse 10 through 12 it says that Yeshua heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and the west, shall sit down by, uh, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a hard scripture. Many shall come from the east and west, shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The context around these scriptures and the faith of the centurion that enabled his servant plagued with palsy to realize a miracle of miracles is unbelievable. This is the type of faith that we have to live in our lives. We have to live faith where, where, where God says, where Yeshua says, I've not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. This man that doesn't come from the kingdom of Israel, this man that doesn't come from Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, this man that doesn't come from the, 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 the covenant, this centurion man, has greater faith in Yeshua than his own people, than the children of the kingdom. His faith was so great that he came to him and he said, just send your word. Just send your word and it will be done. You see, this centurion man, he was a leader. And as a leader of, of men, all he would have to say is his word and it would be done. He'd have to tell his troops in a faraway place, do this. The message would get to them, and what he said to do would be done. He had control. And he, and he knew in his life that if I, a man on earth that has power, can send my word to an outfit that's miles and miles away, tell them to do something and they do it, how much more can this Son of God, 
send his word in the spirit and make the spiritual bow to him. He knew that this son of God could send his word because he had experienced it himself. But even more, he believed through what he heard was happening with this Yeshua. And so he said, send your word and it will be so. Yeshua proclaims that he'd not yet in his ministry found one man in all of Israel with a faith as strong and grounded as this non-Jewish ruler from the land. He then explains that many will come from all nations, from the east and the west, to learn of the ways of, of, of Israel because of the faith of men such as this centurion. And Yeshua also expresses a harsh reality through the revelation that many people of the kingdom, those called out according to the promise of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, those that are part of the covenant, born into the covenant, they'll not realize that rest in the future kingdom because of their unbelief, their disbelief in what is in front of them. They will not realize the rest that this centurion will realize because of their disbelief. And out of the very loins of Abraham, there will be men and women that experience weeping and gnashing of teeth because they failed to believe in the one true God and his promised Mashiach Yeshua. If we do not overcome the battle of unbelief, we too will realize sorrows that will number beyond measure simply because we fail to enter into his spiritual rest. Believing means that when we are faced with a giant, we know that God will deliver us from, uh, from this giant with just five smooth stones and a sling. Believing means that when our backs are against the enemy and we're facing a body of water, he will raise the dry ground that we will be able to cross without a hair harm. Believing means that when the storm is raging around about our boat, we can call on him who neither slumbers nor sleeps, and he will calm the stormy seas. Believing is understanding that we who are traveling in a wilderness will not suffer the plagues of the nations, but we will be fed by the hand of God and drink of the waters that flow from his side. We have to learn to have the faith of the patriarchs and the matriarchs and the miracle workers of our identity in Israel. We know that through the scripture, many in the time of the provocation, the time that the children of Israel spent in the wilderness, that once believed, learned to place hope in something other than the promise of God of our fathers, the promise of leading them into a land of rest and completeness. We, and completeness. We know that, that there were many that saw the miracles, witnessed the outpouring, experienced the blessing of our God, yet when time had, had, had time to pass, Satan, through manufacturing in his workshop, deceit, stole their belief, causing them to perish in the anger and the judgment of our God. We know that it is difficult to have belief the single most difficult fight in our in our lives will be having belief trust faith hope that's the most difficult fight 
Because we're attacked every single day. The book of Hebrews, chapter 3, 7 through 19 says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me but, and proved me and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is evil. Unbelief is not righteous. Unbelief is not holy. Unbelief drives you away from the living God. Unbelief takes you from Him. Away from Him into a darkness that some people cannot get out of. But exhort one another daily, he says, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Messiah, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses... But with whom was he grieved 40 years? The writer of Hebrews questions. Was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. We have to have belief. Belief is wicked, it is evil. I mean, unbelief is wicked and it's evil and it's sinful. Those that did not enter into the rest of the Father did not become, did not because of their unbelief. Unbelief will stay the power of God in your life, it will cause God to reject your worship. And pour out your blessing upon another. We must grow in our faith and our belief daily. We have to daily grow in belief. Daily grow in our faith. If by the end of our days we're not full of faith, full of belief, we're doing something wrong. (coughs) And we have to fight it. We have to seek to understand our beginnings so that we might comprehend our eternities. If we were called out by God, pour, out, pour our hearts into his hands and focus our lives around keeping his commands and believing in his words, then we, real, we will realize an eternity which begins immediately. An eternity that begins right now. 
of entering into the rest of God and the calm of the heavens. And today, we can live in the rest of the Father, experience His outpouring of love and blessing simply by believing. In the beginning with our father Adam, God marveled. He was pleased at his creation. He marveled at his creation. He loved Adam so much that when he could have destroyed him and started brand new, God decided to give him a portion of his self as the necessary sacrifice required to reinstitute man's holiness. Why did God not simply start over? Why did he decide to sacrifice his holy son upon an altar made within this earth? The king of kings, who was before there was time, the word that created all things and that hovered in the firmament above the waters, harnessed the power of creation. This, this word was put into a human form, made a little lower than the angels and sacrificed for our common and unclean spirits. In order for God to once again walk with his creation as he did in the garden the first week, the time was made. 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Yeshua HaMashiach from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yeshua HaMashiach, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Believing is the bedrock of our faith and understanding of the kingdom to come. How can you find salvation except through a blind belief that what we have not seen with our physical eyes is true and sure? The fact is that Satan is working hard to break apart the bedrock of faith through belief by sowing seeds of unbelief into the hearts and minds of every believer across the world. Little by little, he chips away at the rock wall of our faith, creating gaps of fear, fear which causes doubt, and doubt which births unbelief. The deceit of unbelief does not simply begin with the failure to believe that God is who he says that he is. Unbelief is the beginning of a seared conscience. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times shall some depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in, hypo in, in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Unbelief appears in many forms. To me, it begins with doubt. And from doubt, it flourishes to unbelief in the power of God. You have to believe in the power of God in your life. You cannot doubt Him. Your belief is your rest. 
your belief and your hope and your faith, this is your rest. Shaken by the seduction of the enemy, believers everywhere are failing to trust in God's power, relying solely on their own understanding, on what is happening around them. We can believe on what the people around us say. We can believe in experts. Or we can believe in what God has to say. Proverbs 3, 1 through 8 says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall, add, shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. The one who fails to believe in the power and the majesty of the Father has been beguiled by the enemy, seduced into believing that God does not reign in full power and glory today on this earth. We are the righteousness of Yeshua through his sacrifice. All who believe are made righteous. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 22, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Yeshua HaMashiach unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. All mankind has the opportunity to believe. And when God sent his son, he sent him not only for the sons of Jacob, but for all the sons of Adam, whom he loved first and whom he favored as his very first marvelous creation. Every son of Adam, all the world is saved through belief that Yeshua came, that he died, so that we might once again attain the holiness required to enter into the rest of the kingdom of God. Yeshua says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Rest is realized through believing. Righteousness is attained by the acceptance of the Lord's new covenant founded in the blood of Yeshua. And we must daily seek God's redemptive power through prayer and fasting and reading the word in order to abate the enemy and escape the marring of unbelief that awaits all of those that slumber in the house of God. You cannot be at slumber in God's house. You have to be awake. Your spirit has to be awake. You have to be praying constantly, always, without ceasing. Attaining belief. Watching God's hand move, and in that movement, seeing the miraculous. And in seeing the miraculous, your faith being established, your belief being built upon a strong foundation. We'll end with the reading of, out of Hebrews and a reading out of Luke. Hebrews 4, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them and that heard it. For we which have believed do not enter into rest as he, as he said. 
as I have sworn into my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth, that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Yeshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let any man, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The, the scriptures in Hebrews tell us to labor to enter into that rest. Lest you fall into unbelief. Labor, work hard to enter into belief. Because to believe is difficult. So we have to fight to believe, and in fighting, we come into rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and, and, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him who, who, who we have to do, uh, with whom we have to do. Seeing then... That we have a great high priest that is passed under the heavens, Yeshua the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may, may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Luke chapter 8, verse 10, it says that he said unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. He works on your unbelief. Satan works on your unbelief. Verse 13, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the words with joy, and these have no root, for which for a, a while believe, and in a time temptation falls away. So those upon the rock, they believe for a moment, and temptation, Satan working his works, throwing his fiery darts, bringing you to the edge of your rest. Causes you to fall away. And they which fell among the thorns, verse 14, are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. The chase 
that we have in this life is fruitless. The only thing that matters is God. Love, family, and the protection of those we care about. God will do the rest. He will order your steps and believe it. You have to believe it. Verse 15, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, cover it with a vessel or put it under a bed, but setteth on a candlestick that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear, for whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. Belief is the source of our strength and hope. We must believe wholeheartedly in the word of our king in order for rest to wrap us and keep us. The devil is lurking and ravening as a wolf seeking whom he can destroy. We know his tactics. We've identified his weapon of choice. And now is the time to press into Yeshua, the Son of God, who was put here on the earth to destroy Satan's plans. 1 John 3, 8-9, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this person, the Son of God, was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for if for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Yeshua said in John 8.24, I say therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Amen. It is our duty to praise the Master of all, to ascribe greatness to the author of creation, for he made us unlike the nations of the lands, and has not placed us like the families of the earth. He's not made our portion like theirs and our lot like all their multitudes. We bend the knee and bow and acknowledge our thanks before the King over kings. The Holy One blessed is He. He stretches out heaven and establishes earth's foundation. And the seat of His glory is in the heavens above. And the presence of His power is in the most exalted heights. He is our God. There is none other. True is our King. There's nothing beside Him. As it is written in His Torah, you shall know this day and take to your heart that the Lord, He is God, in the heavens above and on the earth below, there is none other. Amen.